I told y'all you did not want to miss Breakaway. God moved. It was such a beautiful thing. And hey, on a personal note, uh, thank you guys for being so good to my family, to my daughters. Uh, it was the highlight, I think, of, of Josie's little life so far, just being able to hang out with all of y'all. And I was worried that she'd be way too annoying and, and bug you, but you guys were super loving and gracious, and it meant a lot to me and my family to have our um, I, my wife is texting me right now. She sent a picture of Josie getting a really excited watching the video. She got excited because she spotted Ara. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And, um, man, I'm just so grateful. Uh, obviously, that's my last breakaway as the youth pastor. Uh, but you guys saw we have great plans ahead for Excel and what God is doing in that. And so we're so grateful. And so that transition will happen in about three weeks. So, uh, I think we're we're looking at May 9th, 11th, like 12th, and so you got three weeks of me still, and I'm just grateful to be able to be with you, and I was thinking about that, like, man, what am I saying, like, in my last three weeks as the youth pastor, and um, I was thinking about camp and, and everything that God did in and through that retreat, and I couldn't help the whole week, if you notice, every time I came up, I kept talking about Holy Week, and I talked about Good Friday and Silent Saturday and even when we had Easter on Sunday Resurrection. And uh, I was thinking about all that. And there was this thought that just wouldn't shake. If you read the story of that week, what we often call Holy Week, it starts with Palm Sunday. And part of why they call it Palm Sunday is it's when Jesus enters into the town and he enters in on this cult and everyone in the town is celebrating his entrance. The Bible tells us that it was such a big cheer that the ground was shaking, right? Like it was this immense cheer where all his haters were like, shut those people up. Tell them to stop cheering for you. And Jesus is like, yo, if they don't cheer for me, the rocks will cry out. Like this is not going to stop. And I'm amazed by that kind of worship and cheer and excitement and celebration. It reminds me of what we were experiencing this past weekend, right? Like the energy you had and the passion you had and the way you were praying for one another and pursuing the presence of God. And it got me so excited. But then I thought to myself, Sunday, Palm Sunday, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Good Friday, the same group of people who on Palm Sunday cheered in his celebration and his entrance were the same group of people who called for Christ's crucifixion and who spit on him and screamed at him and mocked him. It takes five days for this whole group of people to go from loving, cheering, and celebrating Jesus to wanting him dead. And I think to myself, Hey, retreat ended Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Is Christ already dead in your life? Did it take five days for you to go from your biggest high spiritually to back to who you used to be? And I'm not trying to call you out in that. I'm just trying to be honest about the realities of our walk. The reality of our walk is if you don't maintain that daily relationship with God, don't be shocked if in just a few days you lose it. Right? This is a daily thing. This is something that we have to be active in. This isn't just a one-time experience where we saw the glory of God and we're like, all right, great. Because here's the thing, and I've often said this to people. For many of you, this weekend was a wake-up call. But if you don't get up after you wake up, don't be surprised when you fall back asleep. Right? If you don't get up after you wake up, and we've all been there, right? The alarm clock goes off. You get your phone. You're like, man, I got like five minutes. 
You roll over, that five minutes was actually five hours. You're like, oh my God. You woke up on Monday, and after you, you woke up again, it's Thursday. You're like, oh, wow, that was, that's unhealthy. I slept for four days, right? Why? Because you just think, well, listen, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to close my eyes for a second. But if you close your eyes for a second, don't be surprised when it ends up being a lifetime. And so what I'm telling you is, hey, praise God for what he did that weekend. But what is God doing in you today? What is God continuing to do in you? And how much of what God does in you is your responsibility? And I would argue a lot, okay? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Leviticus, all right? It's in the Old Testament. If you have your phones, you might be able to find it a little bit easier. Y'all know your preacher's good when he be preaching out the Old Testament, okay? That's when you know he's got skills, all right? Leviticus, some of y'all, that's in the Bible? That's in the Bible. Nah, pastor, you're just making up words. Nah, Leviticus is there, trust me. I want you to read in the book of Leviticus, and in this book of Leviticus, uh, this is when Moses is the leader of the Israelites, and obviously we don't have Jesus on the scene yet, and so God has to give the Israelites a lot of rules and instructions because we don't have the grace of Christ, we have to follow certain standards. All throughout the Old Testament, you see it all about law, it's all about rules, it's all about doing a certain amount of things to be in favor with God. Obviously, now that we have Jesus, he covered all the rules, he paid the price, but there are still some lessons that you and I need to learn from in the Old Testament, and one of them is very prominent in Leviticus. So just to give you a picture, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was kept in an area called the Holy of Holies. So they would have this whole camp set up, and they would have a tent, and in the tent, within a tent, behind this curtain, they had the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. If you ever saw like Indiana Jones, that little ark that they're covering around, that's where they would keep the Ten Commandments. That's where they believed the presence of God resided, and we believe the presence of God resided in that area. Now, the presence of God was nothing to play with. Right? Because we are unholy, to be in the presence of God would literally possibly cost you your life. The one time where Moses is like, God, I want to see you. I want to see your presence. God said, all right, but you're going to have to hide in the cleft of this rock, and you're going to need to close your eyes, and you can only see my back. Because if you see me full on, it will kill you, Moses. Like, you can't handle my glory. It's just too much. And so they had this, this tucked away, this holy of holies, and then they had this fire. When they were traveling through the desert, God supernaturally provided a pillar of fire to lead the way for them at nighttime and to keep them warm during the dark time. And so that fire, they had continually burning on an altar. It would almost be like, if you ever seen like the Olympic flame, like when they travel from state to state or country to country, and it's the same flame that they pass on until they get to the Olympic stadium and then they light that giant torch up. It's symbolic of keeping the flame alive. Well, they had a similar thing in the altar area where they would lay out their sacrifices to the Lord. That fire was special and they had to ensure that that fire never died out. So if you have your Bible and you look at Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8 through 13, God gives instructions to Moses on, on, to help him teach Aaron, who's the leader of the priests, what this process was supposed to look like. Listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. 
in the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fats of the peace offering on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Three times, God is telling Moses, God is telling Aaron, God is telling the priest, the fire must be kept burning. It must never go out. Fire in the Bible is often a euphemism or an illustration of the power of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. And what he's saying is this. He's saying in your lives, that fire that God ignited at that retreat or that fire that God ignited in that moment where you came to the realization of who God is, that moment where something lit up inside you, what you need to understand is if you don't care for that fire, it can easily burn out. So there's three instructions that I think we're given here that we need to follow along if you want to make sure that your passion, your relationship, your uh, closeness to God doesn't move away. And the first thing is this, if you're taking notes on how to keep that fire burning. If you want to keep the fire of God burning in your life, here's a real easy way. Number one, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Listen, we are like right around some solid bonfire season right now, right? Where it's kind of chilly, so you want to sit in the fire, but it's not too hot. You know, sometimes you'll do it in the summer, but it's like, it's kind of gross because I'm already sweating and then I'm by a hot fire. So right around this time, spring, and even better in the fall, you get that nice bonfire weather, right? And I always laugh at bonfires because there's always that like one dude, it's typically a dude who's like really obsessed with the fire. Like he just feels like it's his responsibility to like keep adding wood. And you're like, bro, we're good with the wood. No, no, we got to keep this going. Like you got to put the wood in this way. And you're, hey, I'm going to go buy, I'm going to go to Jew, I'm going to buy more wood. I'm going to cut down this tree real quick, make sure we got enough wood. And so there's always that dude who just like man he's on it but I appreciate that dude because it ain't me I don't want to deal with all that stuff but what I appreciate of this dude is because if y'all ever just sat around a bonfire the quickest way for that fire to die is for you to not do anything just don't do anything if you just sit there looking at the fire long enough slowly you'll see the embers start to burn out the quickest way for your fire with God to die is you neglect it you don't do anything with it. You know why your fire is so on point at Breakway? Because you're doing it every day. That's literally the only thing. It's not like God lives at Camp Hickory. Trust me. God would pick a better place to live than Camp Hickory. All right? Better water, better everything. Like, God don't live there. But why is it every time we go there, we experience the presence of God in such a powerful way? Really, it's because we're with his presence every day. Right? We wake up, we do devotionals, we get a teaching. Later on, we get food, and then we get another teaching. Later on in the night, we have another opportunity to get into his presence. We're doing it four, five, six, seven times over three days. You're like, man, I really feel the presence of God. Yeah, because you never left it. But the quickest way for the presence of God to die out in your life is for you to neglect the pursuit of his presence. Once you neglect the pursuit of his presence, don't be surprised that you don't experience it anymore. And that part is on you. So if you ignore the fire of your life, if you don't fan it into flame, if you don't make sure that it's growing, if you don't add fuel, it's easy for it to die out. 
Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says it like this. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for your sake and for your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. He's saying, listen, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to keep watch, to give your complete attention to these matters, to throw yourself into the task so that everyone can see your progress. Some of you, you didn't progress beyond Saturday because you didn't keep up with it, right? And so it's like anything else. If you just stop doing it after a while, you forget how to do it. You know, if you, if you stop doing, like I remember in college, I avoided math so much. I'm so bad at math. That's why I'm a pastor. It's just not a lot of math. I avoided math so much that by the time I got towards the end, I'm like, so like, how many classes do I have left? They're like, you need like 77 math classes. I'm like, man, it was nice knowing y'all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on with my life. Like, it's just, but why? I forgot math at that point. Like, what little I knew, gone already. Like, I was like, bro. And so now if I were to try to go back to school, like, sir, you have 78 math classes. I'm like, yo, can we like, can I just pay you? <laughs> like, can I just pay you to avoid math? Because I don't even know it. Right? We need to be careful because if we don't pay close attention to our walk with God, don't be surprised when it's no longer there. Listen, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, it says, I remember your genuine faith. Right? This is Paul talking to a young pastor named Timothy. For you share your faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when he laid my hands on you. Okay? If you want a fire to burn, what, is, what does fire need in order to stay alive? Oxygen. Right? That's why if you cover up a fire and you remove oxygen, the fire dies. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, hey, that fire's dying, fan it. How do we fan our spiritual walk? Your daily time with God, that's a fan in the flame. Your daily worship, your daily prayer, your regular relationship with God is how you fan into flame the gifts that he's given you. Some of you at the retreat are like, man, God called me to do X, Y, and Z. Great, fan that flame. Man, God set me free from this addiction. Awesome. Fan that flame. Man, God really helped me understand that I'm not who I used to be. Perfect. Now fan that flame. Because that realization will easily die out if you don't continue to fan the flame that God put in you. See, God will give you the fire. God provides the fire, but you got to provide some oxygen to it. You got to fan that flame. That's a little bit of work, isn't it? That takes some time. That takes some effort. You're not just going to lay on your Bible and have it seep into you, right? It's going to take work. It's going to take a process, but it's worth it to continue what God started in you. So the first thing you got to understand is if you want this fire to grow, you got to take responsibility for it. You cannot neglect what God has done in your life. And again, listen to me. I'm talking about work for you, not work in other people. So just listening to a sermon every day, that might be nice, but that's not the same thing. Because what you're doing is you're getting what God spoke to somebody else. You're getting third-hand stuff. 
Like you have direct access to God. Okay, because of Jesus, there's no other barrier now between you and God. You have direct access in prayer and worship and reading of your word to have a fully functional relationship with God. When you go through someone else, that's not your friend, that's an acquaintance. We only do that when we feel like we don't have a relationship with that person, right? When it's like, hey, go ask your friend if they would do this for me. No, you ask them. What do we say? I don't know them like that. And that's why a lot of times you go to the pastor, you go, hey, can you pray for me? I'll pray with you, but I'm not praying for you. Because praying for you means you don't got to pray. Why should I pray for something that you care more about? God listens to your prayers. But a lot of times the reason we don't want to pray is because I don't know him like that. Well, you don't know him like that because you don't fan the flame that he put into you. But if you were willing to keep in that process to have that relationship, you know, like your best friend, you don't have a problem asking him for anything. Anything. Hey, let me borrow your shoes. <laughs> right? You're at their house. You don't ask for anything. You go to the fridge. Man, you ain't got nothing in your fridge. <laughs> Why? That's your friend. Take off your shoes. Put them up on the couch. It's like, yo, this is my house. Right? Why? Because there's a closeness to it. When there's a closeness to God, there is never an embarrassment to ask for anything. There's never a shame or a guilt or a, I don't know if God. No, no, no. That's my father. And my father knows my needs. So I'm going to bring it up to him. Why? Because he wants me to. Because we have a relationship like that. So the first thing we got to do is make sure we don't neglect the fire. The second thing we got to do if we want to keep the fire burning is take out the ashes. All right, number two is take out the ashes. If you remember when the instructions that God was giving Moses, right, he said fan into flame. Make sure that you, you're adding fresh wood to it every day. But then he says this. He says, Remove the ashes from the night before. Remember, he had to take off his clothes, his ceremonial clothes, put on his regular clothes, pick up the ashes, walk them outside of the camp to a place that's ceremonial clean, dump them, then come back, change back into his holy clothes, and do the rest of the work that he's supposed to do. That's a lot of work to get old ash out of the camp. But here's why we need to do that, and here's why it's important. The old ash represents what God did, not what God's doing. And if we're not careful, we live our whole life based on what God did and miss out on what God's doing. Okay? Some of y'all be like, man, God changed my life at Breakaway. Amazing. Praise God. What's he doing now? Man, I remember when I was in high school, like I used to really love going to church. Cool. You think that still counts though? You know what I mean? That's like, that's like me going, yo, bro, I was like a heck of an athlete, you know, in eighth grade. Yo, I was shooting buckets. It's like, Cool. <laughs> That must have been a long time ago, Pastor Joey. You know, you ever seen somebody trying to relive their glory days? It's like, homie, that, 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 that didn't pass. Like, move along. Okay, it's like, again, the senior who keeps coming back three years after they graduate. It's like, no, no, no. Now it's creepy, bro. Now you're an adult. You got a full beard. Move along. Okay, listen, you can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. It's just not how it works. You can't start the next chapter if you get stuck rereading the last one. And so do we praise God for what he did? Amen. Do we celebrate what God did? Yes, we did. Do we have a really cool recap video that our amazing media team put together? We are grateful for that. Amen. But that's just a video. That's not my future. That's what God did, and we celebrate it, but we don't live in the past, right? The windshield is a lot bigger than the rearview mirror. You can't drive staring out the rearview mirror. You got to drive staring out your windshield. I want to see a bigger plan for my life. I don't want to live in the past. And the problem is a lot of us, we live on yesterday's bread. If you look at the Old Testament, 
you, when they were traveling through the desert, the Bible says that every day manna would rain from heaven. They had fresh bread every day. And the next day, all that bread would just go really bad, like unusable. Why? Because God didn't want them relying on old bread. He wanted them to rely on him every day with fresh bread. So here's the thing. I praise God for what he did yesterday, but I'm even more excited about what he wants to do today. Like that's the key. That might have been a milestone, but that's not a finishing line. Like there is still more to do in my life. And so we remove the ash to say, hey, that's great, but that's not, that's not what we're working on anymore. Okay, I remember one time I was getting ready to grill up some pork chops. Mm, I had them seasoned real well, too. I had these beautiful pork chops marinated in a little family marinade. It was all dope. I was all set up. And then I get outside after everything's ready, and I open up the charcoal grill because I like charcoal. It gives a little taste to it, you know. Y'all can mess with the gas stuff all you want, but I don't think it gives it that little mm that you need with charcoal. So I had the charcoal, opened it up right. I look in there, and whoever grilled last, it was probably me, but whoever grilled last didn't clean out the old charcoal. So you had all this gray ash on it, right? And I wasn't thinking, I was being a little lazy. What I should have done was take all that ash out. But I had already had all my coals hot in the little chimney that I had set up. So I got all these hot coals, and I thought, man, I'm just gonna throw it on top of that because that's gonna be ash anyways. And I take all the coals and I threw it on top of the ash. Within seconds, the ash snuffed out the fire. And my whole fire was dead. All because I didn't remove the old ash to make room for the new fire. Listen, I'm telling y'all, God can't put a new fire in you if you live your whole life on the old ash. And it's not enough to just remove, to move it to the side. You got to remove it. You got to understand, hey, that was a good meal when we cooked it then. But we ain't eating that. We're eating something new. We're cooking something new. So I need new fire. Hey, what God did when I was in eighth grade, amazing. But now I'm in high school. I need fresh fire. I need, we're doing something new. Listen, Isaiah chapter 43. I love the way Isaiah puts this. Verse 16 through 19. It says, long ago, the Lord made a road through the sea. This is talking about the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. If you ever saw Prince of Egypt, you might remember this. When they came out of Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea. Miraculous, amazing miracle. It says, long ago, the Lord made a road through the sea, a path through the swirling waters. He led a mighty army to destruction when he destroyed the Egyptians. An army of chariots and horses, down they fell, never to rise, snuffed out like a flame of a lamp. But the Lord says, do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there, not back in the past. What is God saying? Hey, man, that was amazing. That already happened. And if you get stuck looking back there, you're never going to see what God has in front of you. And what God has in front of you is so much more impactful and beautiful than what God did behind you. Why? Because there's new glory every day. There's fresh fire available to you every day. But you will never experience that if you get stuck in the good old days. If you get stuck in the remember when days. Right? Listen, I'm going to say this real quick because you need to understand this. In a few months, if you find yourself going, man, I remember when Pedro was our youth pastor and we used to do this and we used to do that. You are missing the point. Because in three weeks, P. Joy will not be your youth pastor anymore. 
and the new guy, Pastor Izzy's going to come in, and he's going to do some new things. He's going to do some great things. And it's going to be everything God wants the youth ministry to do moving forward. And if you're stuck with the, man, I miss when we used to do this, and I miss when we used to do that, then you're still living back there. You're not going where God's trying to take you, right? I want to go where God has me. I love, our church is over 100 years old. I praise God for every one of those years. But I ain't living 100 years ago. I don't even know what that was like. It was all Italian, actually. I don't even speak Italian. And I'm the lead pastor now, right? Why? Because God's doing something new. We have over 60 nationalities in our church, man. We are doing something new. And so we have to be careful. Because what I don't want is a group of you to get stuck on what God used to do or what God did at last, last time you went to summer camp or last time you went to Momentum or last big event. Because you realize you don't have to live event to an event if you live day to day with God. If you live day to day with God, every day is an event. Every day is an opportunity to grow. Every day is an opportunity to be who God called you to be. Third thing is this. All right? We said you don't neglect your fire. We talked about making sure that we take out the ash. And then he says, add fresh wood daily. Add fresh wood daily daily right it's like again that guy that i mentioned that likes to sit around the fire he'd be itchy too he'd be itchy to add that fresh log right soon as one log falls like yo i got this right in his back pocket new log new log i'm ready for y'all that guy always makes me laugh dude he's so like into it i'm just trying to be the guy who's not sitting in front of the smoke like i'm just like trying to play musical chairs with people try to get them in front of the smoke but why do you add fresh wood because wood don't burn forever. Wood will eventually become ash. And so we just talked about how we can't rely on the old ash, but we can't have fresh fire without fresh wood. All right? You got to add to your life. You got to add to that walk with God. You got to be willing to, to bring something to the table, right? So what does fresh wood daily look like? That looks like what we talked about every morning at camp, your daily devotional with God. Picking up your Bible and reading it. I'm going to be honest with you. I was pretty proud of y'all over the weekend. Because every time we did it, all of you opened up. And if I could just add a little bit of caveat for the upperclassmen, the, the, the older ones in this room, y'all were really doing it. All right, no offense to the younger ones, but I kind of get where your limitation is to a certain extent. Like some of y'all are like half asleep. I'm like, well, they're 12. I get that. All right, but I was looking at some of the 16, 17, 18-year-olds. I'm like, yo, those notes are better than my notes. That's awesome. You know what that tells me? That tells me that's not the first time you spent time with God. That tells me that's not the first time you journaled your devotional time. That tells me that's not the first time you read that scripture. And I'm telling you, man, if you can nail that, that fire will never die. If you can learn that every day, and here's a real important note on this. You don't fit God into your schedule. You fit your schedule around your time with God. God is the priority. A lot of times what we do is, oh, I don't have time, which is always a lie. Ever since, ever since our phones and tablets started telling us how much time we spend on them, it just blew us all up, right? We're like, dang, oh, dang, six hours a day? You're like, you only do six hours? Man, you messed up, man, right? You realize very early on, we have time. We're just really bad at using it. But God is giving us all the same amount of time, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. What are you doing with those 24 hours? And really, here's, if I can really be a little bit bold on this, everything that takes your time with God subtly tells God and you that that is a priority above my relationship with God. 
So think about some of the things we put as a priority above our relationship with God. How much time do we spend looking at random videos on TikTok and on Instagram and and I'm not dogging you. I do the same thing. I, get, I catch myself like, well, because you, know, you feel like it's only one video. And because they're like 15 seconds, they're like, oh, it's only 15 seconds. Yeah, but 5,000 videos, 15 seconds apiece, is a lot of time. <laughs> you know, because time adds up. I didn't do too great at math, but I knew that part. Time adds up. Right? So 15 seconds can easily be 15 hours a week. Of, of what? <laughs> <laughs> Send that to you. <laughs> heart, heart, skip, heart. You spend all that time, and God's up there like, so like, are we going to talk? <laughs> oh, oh, I get it, I get it. You'll call me when you need me, right? Okay. Right? And again, it's not anything we say, it's just what we do. And isn't that worse? Because actions speak louder than words. You all know what it's like to be used. You know what it's like when a friend only calls you when they need you, right? Especially some of you upperclassmen, man, if you got a car, you find out real quick who only likes you because you drive, right? When you're the only one in the friend group with the whip, boy, everybody loves you. Hey, man, what are you doing Saturday? We're all thinking about going bowling. You want to drive? <laughs> hey, what are you doing Friday? We're all thinking about watching a new Marvel movie. Do you think you could drive us? <laughs> hey, man, I know I live on the other side of the city, but can you drop me off after school? Right? But let that car be gone. I bet you don't get enough calls anymore. All of a sudden, your mom and dad are like, you're grounded and you don't get the car. People don't call you no more. And even when you're younger, right? When you were the only kid on the block with the basketball, we liked you. But honestly, we only liked the basketball. We didn't care for you. We had one guy in the neighborhood. He had a lot of money. He was the only child. And so he had all the toys. He had all the stuff. I ain't gonna lie. We only hung out with him because he had the stuff. If he didn't have the stuff, we wouldn't have been his friend. He was kind of annoying, <laughs> but we needed a football. He had a football. We're cool with him that day. Listen, we don't like being used. We don't. So why do we treat God that way? Why do we tell God, hey, I would talk to you, but I'd rather scroll on my phone for a few hours. And I get it. Listen, just transparently, there's times where I'm scrolling through my phone and I feel this little hand on my foot and it's my daughter, Olivia. And this moment goes, she deserves more time than this. And I, and I put my phone away, and I get on my hands and knees, and I play with my daughters. And listen, they're exhausting. Like, once you get a game going, you got to play that game for at least 17 hours, right? And my, my oldest daughter, Josie, now she likes when I throw her in the air on the bed. So I like, we call it Ring Around the Rosie because they sing the song. And I'm like, oh, fall down. I throw her. And she's like, ah, again. I'm like, that was like the 78th again. <laughs> like, but I'd rather invest in time with them, time with the Lord, time with my wife, than in time on my phone. Are you, are you getting me? Are you understanding me? Listen, if you want to add fresh wood to your fire, you got to bring something to the table. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You want to talk about fresh wood? That's a cross. Pick up your cross daily. Meaning every day I choose to sacrifice who I am for who God's called me to be. Every day I pick up my cross, the symbol of my death, for the life that God has provided in me. 
and I pick it up daily, which means what? It means every day I got to decide to burn away who I was to become who I am, which means every day I got to make a decision like we just sang, right? I have decided. Well, that decision is every day. I have decided to follow God, to turn from my selfish ways and to follow him. And when you do that daily, you create something extremely important, something we call intimacy. Now, oftentimes, I think the world has perverted the word intimacy, and they've made you believe that it's only romantic or it's only sexual, but that's not the reality of what intimacy is. Intimacy is a closeness, right? It's a closeness that goes beyond physical. And I've said this a number of times over the years, but here's the easiest way I can define intimacy. If you break it up and say, into me see. Intimacy is when I allow you to see into who I am. It's when I allow you to come close enough to see into me. Can we be just really transparent for a moment? Most people, we don't allow to really see us, right? Most of the time, we only let people see either what we want them to see or just the surface of what's there. We don't really get deep. We don't really get honest. We don't really get transparent, right? Somebody comes up, hey, how you doing? Yeah, good. Your whole world is falling apart. And you're like, nope, doing good. (laughs) Why? Because I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you in. I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you like that. I'm not letting you in, right? You get somebody who really cares about you, a parent or a teacher or a pastor or your leaders. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, everything's good. Do you want to talk about it? No. Why? Because you're not willing to be intimate. Because to be intimate is to be vulnerable, And we feel like if we're vulnerable, then we allow someone the opportunity to hurt us. And that's true. That's why you have to be careful on who you are intimate with. That's why we use the word intimate oftentimes in a sexual context. Because there's such a vulnerability about being naked in front of somebody. But it's the same way when you are emotionally, spiritually naked before somebody. It's vulnerable. And most of us, especially those of us who have scars, we don't like being vulnerable. And we take that into our relationship with God. And we are unwilling to be vulnerable before the Lord as if God doesn't already know. But when you are intimate with God on a regular basis because you've spent time with God every day because the relationship with God is strong, the intimacy with God is great. And when you lay down those walls and you say, God, into me, see. You start saying things like David. David in the Bible, King David, one of my favorite verses, I often quote it. King David goes before the Lord every morning and he says, search me, God, and see that there's nothing in there that would offend you. What is he saying? He's saying, God, I want you to see into me. And if there's anything in my life that offends you, I want you to point it out so I can get rid of it. That's intimacy. Intimacy is is looking like Peter looked at the Lord and saying, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then the Lord saying, yeah, but there's this area of your life that's not being fully surrendered to me. Intimacy is being fully transparent before a God who is fully transparent before you. And I'm telling you, it's scary, but it's so unbelievably powerful when you find someone that you can be vulnerable and intimate with. The problem is human beings are never going to be everything we need in that. But when you allow that to be a part of your relationship with God, you will see everything in your life begin to grow. Why? 
because I have no secrets, I have no hiding. I am fully vulnerable, bare, and intimate with the Lord. And there's freedom in that. I think that's why David danced all crazy and naked before God, because he's like, no, that's my God. Like, I have no shame in front of him. I have no fear before my Lord. Like, not of him. I fear him because he's God, but I'm not afraid of him. Why? Because I have intimacy with him. Could it be that some of the reasons why your prayer life struggles, your time in reading struggles, your worship struggles, is because you're unwilling to be intimate with the Lord? Is because you still have your guard up, because you're still worried that God's going to treat you the way your mom treated you, the way your dad treated you, the way that ex treated you, the way those friends treated you. And you transfer those thoughts and you say, God, you're just like everybody else. And God looks back at you and says, I am not a man that I would lie. I am so far beyond everyone else. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. Ara, if you can help me out. I'm going to have Ara just play quietly in the keys, and we got about five minutes. And I'm going to invite those of you in this room, all of you in this room, to take a moment and fan the flame of what God is doing in your life. And I don't know where you're at individually after breakaway. Some of you are like, Pastor, I've been doing it, man. My fire is hotter than it's ever been. Great. Let's keep fanning it. And some of you, if you're honest, you're like, man, as soon as I came back, I went right back to where I was. And if I'm honest with you, Pastor, that flame is just a flicker right now. It's like a candle that's about to go out. But the good news is a flicker can still be a raging fire. But it takes intimacy. It takes time alone with the Lord. So I'm going to invite you all to join me up front if you can. And I want you to just kind of close your eyes for a few minutes. And I want you to be transparent before the Lord. And whichever one of those points you're on, talk to him about it. Maybe you're here and you're already relying on the old ash to carry you for the rest of your life. And tonight the Lord spoke to you and reminded you, hey, what I did was great, but what I'm about to do is even greater. And if you would stop relying on what used to be, maybe you'll start to see what can be. Or maybe you're here and, man, you just haven't been adding any wood. What I mean is the last time you spent with God was Sunday. And it was just because you came for Easter. But now is your opportunity to say, God, I'm recommitting my time to you. I'm recommitting myself to having that daily devotional. And listen, man, you might miss a day. That's fine. Just don't make it two. And if you do two, don't make it three. Make sure your habit with God is greater than your habit without God. But again, there has to be a vulnerability to own it and say, God, I haven't been doing my part, even though you've been doing yours. So in this moment, I'm going to decide. I'm going to recommit. I'm going to be steady. Because it's not about what you did over a retreat. It's about what you're going to do over my life. And I want to make sure I don't go from event to event, but I go from glory to glory. Amen? So come on, right where we're at, just kind of close your eyes and just, just be intimate with God. Just begin to talk to God. Just begin to tell him where you're at. Just like David, to say, Lord, you know me. If you need to apologize to God, apologize. If you need God to encourage you, ask him to encourage you. 
If you feel like God's calling you to the next level, ask him to tell you the steps. But would you just begin to talk to God? Just begin to be open with the Lord. Just begin to be transparent with him.